Would you guys pray with me before we jump into the message? Lord, I pray that these are your words. I pray that everybody that you brought here to hear something specific hears it, Lord God. I pray that you give me the right words to say, that what I say is accurate to your word, and that we're changed this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're going to continue on. Last week, we kind of jumped back into where you had left off in Colossians. And so for a quick recap, we talked about being where you are. How if you are a Christian, if you've received Christ, you've been seated in a different place than you used to live. And you need to be there, not just physically, but you need to bring your heart and your mind along with you. You can't have your heart and your mind still be on the temporary stuff while you are living in the eternal. So you have to make that shift, and then you have to really let it settle there. We can't be moving back and forth between the temporary and the permanent. We can't be uh, living sometimes in the stuff that doesn't matter and sometimes in the stuff that does. You have to make a decision on where you're going to be. And if we've been seated with Christ in the permanent, we need to choose to bring everything with us there, our hearts and our mind and our focus. And so we're going to do the same thing we did last time where we're going to read a chunk of scripture and then break it down a little bit. So we're going to continue on where we left off. And this is Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read to you verses 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator." Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Phew, that was a lot, right? That was a lot to break down. And one thing I want to say kind of right off the bat is that as we go through this scripture, I pray and say, okay, God, what, what is the part of this that we need to really look into? And I try my best to explain that and give each of you something to really go away with. But it's up to each of us to do some of our own study of this because I'll be honest, I, I can't cover every single thing in these verses. Otherwise, we would have to hand out lunch and go well into the afternoon. And I don't think anybody wants that. And I don't think for most of us, we have the attention span to go through every single thing. And so we, we want to look into this. And I always ask, Holy Spirit, what is it that you are saying to us right now where we are at in this current day? And I think when I read this, where my mind jumps to right away is, wow, this is a long list of things that you can't do, right? It'd be super tempting to read this and walk away with, okay, here's a list of like 25 things that you can't do anymore. And it would be easy for me as a pastor to say, okay, here's your list. Don't do these things. Okay, have a good day, right? It's easy to do that. And even kind of as I was growing up in the church, that was how I would read this, is I got to just put effort into not sinning. I got to just be better. I got to try harder. 
And it's tough because we should want to sin less, right? That's a good thing. Sinning less is a good thing. And there is something to be said about self-control, about, hey, I want to do this thing, but I'm going to tell myself no. That's a, that's a Christian good practice to have. But what I love about looking at a chunk like this is we see that Paul wants to give them something a little bit more to leave with, a little bit of a how. It's kind of like if I were to go to a gym and say, I want to get stronger, and the trainer or the coach says, just lift as many weights as you can until you can't lift any heavier, right? Like, so take this weight. I'm going to lift it over my head and keep adding weight until you can't do it anymore. And so I, I do it, and I, I get to that point where I can't lift anymore. And the coach is like, well, just lift more then. It's like, but I can't. And he's like, well, you just got to try harder. That's not going to work very well, is it? It's like, you got to train me. You got to give me some, some help on how to build up my strength to be able to do this. And that's what Paul does here, because I'm going to be honest, if it was just about effort when it comes to sinning, if it was just about you just got to really want to stop sinning, the Pharisees would have been the ones who could have done it. In fact, Paul even said, I was the most zealous of the Pharisees. Zealous just means I wanted it. I wanted to be good. I put everything I had into it, and he's like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep all the rules. And so there's something else he wants us to walk away from this. And I want to make sure that none of you guys walk away from, I just got to try harder. I just have to be better because, yes, self-control is, is huge. And deciding that you don't want to sin anymore is huge. But there's more to it than that. There's, there's something else that he is trying to get us to understand here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Three words in this section of scripture that I think the more we understand them, the more we're going to grasp what Paul is trying to say in the how. Because hopefully, if you're a Christian, you want to stop sinning. I mean, that should be where you start. I don't want to sin. I want to, I want to live a righteous and pure life. But Paul gives us some really good places to start with how to do that as we understand these words a little bit better. And the first word I want us to look at is the word whatever, which is a weird word to look at closely, right? Because you think there's nothing there. Whatever is a super vague term. Why would we look at this closer? But it's really interesting when it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Because that word whatever, if you look at the original language, actually means a member of your body, like a limb. That's what that word actually means, is, is a limb, a part of you. And so he's saying, put to death the parts of you, the things that are growing out of you, the limbs that you still have attached to you. That thing that you're putting to death is part of you. And that's an uncomfortable thing to think of, because when we think of, well, I want to put something to death, we're like, this, I can go hunting. There's something out there that I have to kill. But what Paul is saying is, no, this thing that you're putting to death, it's, it's like one of your limbs. It's growing out of you. And that's a little more uncomfortable to think of than I need to go kill something else. I need to take care of something else. Because oftentimes when we think of sin, we think of sin as this outward issue. That like, there's, we're, we're pure, we're good, and if we can just protect ourselves from this bad stuff out there— 
then we're going to be fine. And so i got to put to death all that bad, nasty stuff. See, that's how the Pharisees thought. And that's why Jesus had to correct their thinking, because they thought the same way. They thought, all this stuff over there is going to mess me up. And this is where Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, verse 15, Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And this is one of the first kind of uncomfortable things that we've got to wrestle with, is the fact that there are, there are parts of us, things growing out of us, limbs and members of us, that aren't aligned with Jesus. They're not aligned with the eternal. They're still in line with the temporary. And those are the things that we have to put to death. And that's the first place we have to start, because this is an uncomfortable reality to have. But if we look at Galatians chapter 5, that's a really famous part of Scripture because it's the fruit of the Spirit. And most of you guys know that part of Scripture. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, I went to Sunday school. I know. I know my, know my. But most of us know that, is that the Bible tells us if you are a Christian, there's certain fruit that should be growing out of your life. Meaning, if you look at your life, there should be certain outcomes that start to grow, that start to blossom in your life. And it's amazing. I know some of our plants just bloomed yesterday. And it's amazing because there's nothing. And all of a sudden, one day, you just see this beautiful thing come out. And as a Christian, that's how our life should be. Is All of a sudden, you wake up and you see this fruit start to come forward. All of a sudden, there's some patience that didn't used to be there before. There's some kindness that didn't used to be there before. And so the Bible is talking about that. But one thing we don't look at is right before the fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, this is what Paul says. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. If somebody, if a Christian tells you, do just what makes you happy, that's probably not good advice. Because the Bible actually tells us you're not supposed to just do what makes you happy. Because there's, there's still part of you that isn't aligned with Jesus. And it's, it's wrestling. There's a wrestle. There's a conflict going on inside of you. And the first thing that we have to understand is this whatever that we're supposed to put to death is actually growing. It's, it's part of us. It's a member of us. And that's a lot harder to put to get death part of you than it is to put to death something outside of you. But that's just the reality uh, that all of us have to live with, is that there's parts of us that are wrestling. You guys know the feeling? You know the feeling of that tension of part of me just wants to do what I want, just wants to do the stuff that feels good and is easy. And there's other parts of me that want to follow Jesus, and there's a wrestle going on there. So it's understanding that that whatever is part of you. So that's the first word that we got to look at a little closer is whatever. The next word I want us to look at is put to death. Now, I know you guys are saying that is not one word, and that's true. In the English language, if you go back to the original language, this is one word. And it's a concept that you might think, well, put to death is, is easy. It just means to kill. But that's not really what this word means. If you look back, it is to cut something off, to sever it, 
to kind of treat it like it is dead, but it's not really like a murdering, I'm going to go kill you. It's, it's the severing. So think of it this way. If, I were, if you were to say someone's name and I was like, that person's dead to me, does that mean I went and murdered that person? No, it just means I've cut that person out of my life. I have severed that connection. That person is no longer allowed to get anything from me. I have severed that person. I've cut that person off. That is what this word means, is to sever that connection, to cut it off, to separate it from what is giving it life. And so, yeah, I guess in a way you're killing it, but it's through a severing that it dies. It's through a cutting off that it dies. And what's amazing is when you see this, This teaching in Colossians lines up perfectly with what Jesus taught when it came to sin, where he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 30, and if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Now, was Jesus saying truly, if you get caught stealing, and you used your right hand, that you should cut your right hand off, that that physically that's the way to deal with sin. It's a metaphor for this same thing, is this understanding that you have limbs, if you want to call it that, you have parts of you that are not in line with Jesus, that are causing you to stumble, that are growing bad fruit. And if you want to deal with it, you have to sever them. You have to cut them off. You cannot give them life You cannot give them nutrients to grow. You have to choose to cut them off and in a way, kill them. And this aligns perfectly with what Jesus taught. He said even your eye, right? If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's metaphorically talking about for each of us. If we've accepted Jesus, there's a struggle going on in us. There's parts of us that are growing certain fruit. There's parts of us that are growing other kinds of fruit. And you have to decide what you're going to sever, what you're going to cut off, what you're going to allow to pull nutrients from you, and what you're not going to allow. And, and this is kind of a Sunday of some uncomfortable, inconvenient truth, so I don't really apologize, but I just prep you. The other thing we have to understand with this is that it's going to hurt. And I just want to be real. If, if anyone told you that being a Christian isn't going to hurt, they lied to you. Because being a Christian hurts. And this is one of those things that there's no way you can cut off part of you without it hurting. It just doesn't exist. We have, I'm, I, I probably talk about my dogs at least once a week, so you guys just get used to that. But we have one of our dogs, her name is Goose, started out as Lucy, which turned into Lucy Goosey, but you guys know how it goes. Eventually now it's just Goose. And she has a growth coming off of her foot. We call it her extra toe because it's huge. It's a huge just growth coming off her toe. And I don't know why it's there. It doesn't serve any purpose. And it's one of those things where it's big, but right where it connects, it's like super small. And I've thought a couple times, like, man, I wonder if I just get some wire cutters and just just do a quick snip, right? It's so small. But I can't do that because it has nerves connected to it. Even though it's a growth that doesn't serve any purpose, that's connected to nerve endings. And so really what we need to do is bring her to a vet where they can numb it because cutting that off is going to hurt. And I will tell you, this process of cutting those parts of you that are causing you to sin, that are growing bad, nasty, poisonous fruit, it hurts. And there's no way around that. 
it hurts to cut off part of you. But this is the process that Paul is saying is, if you want to rid bad fruit out of your life, you have to cut the limbs that bear bad fruit. It's not super complicated, but it's painful and inconvenient to think that that's really the process we have to go through. If we don't want our life to bear bad fruit, we got to find the plants that bear bad fruit, and we got to cut them off because that is the process. And that's the last word I want us to look at is this word, renewed. It says you put on the new self that is being renewed in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that word renewed means it's a continual process. It's something in process that is not finished. It keeps going. This is super inconvenient for me because I'm someone that likes to check things off my list. Anyone else, a list maker? Check it off. I'm done. It's finished. I don't have to think about it anymore. And that's what I want my life to be, is I want to rid myself of sin, check it off the list, I'm done, I can move on. But that's not what the scripture says. It says this is a process that's continual. And we see that also in Philippians. We see this same thing in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, this is the really hard part. This process of finding out what limbs of your body bear bad fruit and choosing to painfully cut them off, this is a process that continues our whole life. I got a lot of bad news this morning. I'm sorry, but this is, hopefully this is something that will give you freedom to understand what it takes to, to go in the direction that you know you're called to go. Is you're going to have to continue to do this. And what I want you to, to think of this as is think of it in terms of, of having a garden. We just planted a garden, so it was on my mind. And this is a lot of people understand farming. And I will tell you, if you understand gardening and you understand farming, you'll understand the kingdom of God. Because oftentimes we think of the kingdom of God, you know, we've got the, the shepherd staff as like, you know, a shepherd and a sheep. And that's true. Jesus talked about shepherding and things like that. But actually almost twice as much in his parables, Jesus referred to gardening or some form of growing of plants. And so if you can understand that, you can understand the kingdom of God. And you just have to view your life as a plot of land. And you're going to determine what you want to grow on it. If, if someone had a plot of land and they were like, let's just sit back and see what grows. Is that going to be fruitful land? You're going to have to put intense work into land if you want it to grow good fruit. That bird wants to hear what God is saying. I get distracted way too easily. All right. We're going to back it up. We're going to zero it in. Your life there should be things that you want to grow out of your life and things that you don't want to grow out of your life. That's part of being a Christian is determining, I want good fruit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, that whole list. I want my life to grow that. And there's other things, the list that we just saw, that long thing, lying and immorality and all those things, that's poisonous fruit. I don't want my life to grow those things. So what you do is you look at your life and you determine what plants in my life, what limbs, what parts of me are growing that poisonous fruit? And I'm going to cut them out. And I'm going to pull them out of my land. Because I want my land to grow good 
fruit. And this is really the process that Paul is saying is treat yourself like a plot of land. Decide what you want to grow. Let those plants grow. Nurture them. But what you have to understand is any plant that's in that land that isn't growing what you want, not only is it growing bad fruit, but it's pulling nutrients from that land that good plants could have. And so it's our job. You don't just ignore them. You actually have to cut them out. You have to pull them out. And this is an ongoing process. Those of you who have a garden, if you weed it one year, and then you're like, well, next year it should be fine still, right? No, you got to watch it. Those plants are going to continue to try to grow in that. And this is a responsibility that we have to keep an eye on our life, to say what fruit, what fruit is coming out of my life, and what plants do I need to cut out? Because this is what we have to understand. There's good fruit and there's bad. Do you know that in Galatians chapter 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it also talks about the fruit or the work of the flesh. That's the acts of the flesh are obvious. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, and it lists way more. So I want you to think about it this way. Imagine if you had a plot of land, and you didn't want bad fruit to grow from it. You only wanted good fruit. And you think, what I'll do is I'm just going to let everything grow, and then I'm just going to try really hard to hold the bad fruit in. Right? Just try really hard. No fruit, bad fruit grows. That would be a really bad way to grow a garden. It's let me identify the limbs that grow bad fruit and let me pull them out. But so many of us as Christians, this is how we're living is I just don't want to sin. I'm just going to hold it in. I'm going to try really hard to keep it in. And then we get so frustrated and, and we're full of shame and guilt because it doesn't work very well. Where Paul is saying, no, instead of that, identify the parts of you that aren't in line with with Jesus, that are bearing these bad fruits, and make the decision to cut them out, to sever them. And it's painful, but it's the way it lines up with Jesus' teaching too, is man, make that commitment to, if a plant's growing bad fruit, if a part of me is growing bad fruit in my life, I sever it. I cut it out. Because not only do now I not have to worry about trying to hold all the bad fruit in, but now there's room and there's space for better plants to grow good fruit in my life. And this is kind of the process that Paul is trying to say. So basically today, my main point for you is this. If you want a garden to grow specific good fruit, it requires you to be intentional about what is allowed to grow. And the same is true about you. So if you see that your life has some bad fruit in it, make that choice to look at hard and say, what limb is this fruit growing out of? And can I cut it off? Can I sever this? Because that is how Paul lays out for us to grow. But you have to keep up with it. Just like a garden, you can't let it go. You got to watch it. You got to keep up with it. And then your life is, growing to, is going to grow good fruit. And so this morning, I'm going to pray with you. And then I'm going to pray over the offering. And then we're going to have announcements. Lord, I pray that you help each of us to know what areas of our life are growing what. God, I, I pray that you help us to, to see clearly where the good fruit is coming from and where the bad fruit is coming from, Lord. And I pray that rather, rather than spiraling in guilt and shame, over the areas of our life that, that aren't where they need to be yet, that instead we would soberly 
and seriously just look at where that fruit is growing from. And Lord, I pray that you give us the courage to sever it, to cut it out, Lord, so that we don't have to try to take on that pressure to, to just hold that bad fruit in, Lord. Instead, we're intentional about being gardeners in our life to say we are going to nurture the plants that grow good fruit and we're going to cut out the plants that grow bad fruit. So Lord, I pray that you just give us the ability to do this in our life, Lord God, and that our lives are lives that grow good fruit, Lord God, that we look at our lives and, and are just always shocked and amazed at the fruit that, that starts to grow, Lord God, that you use us whatever way you want. Lord, I pray over the offering. I pray that you bless those that give. I pray that you, you give us the wisdom on how to use it, Lord, according to your will. Lord, that you, you multiply everything that is given to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.